Are you revealing more about your money situation with your friends, maybe some very new friends. If you are, you are not alone. Why Americans are getting more open about their personal finance struggles and challenges with our fantastic guest, co-host, financial psychologist, and certified financial planner, Dr. Brad Klontz. That and so much more on this edition of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown Up podcast, coming to you from Lake Mayapak in Putnam County, New York. I am Dr. Brad Klontz in Boulder, Colorado. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape, like Dr. Brad Klontz. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And this episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by Tiller, your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated each day. Go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for a free trial and 20% off your first year. And of course, you get to support the show. Dr. Brad Klontz, welcome back. This is your final uh, taping with us, your final show with us as a regular cast member of Money with Friends. We've loved having you. I know. I can't believe I'm getting fired, though, Bobby. You are not what? getting fired. You... Okay. <laughs> your your shades, right. of, shades of yesterday's show. <laughs> you will always be part of our show. This was, a, this was a temporary contract. We knew that. Yes, yes, yes. We knew I'm that confusing. going in. But uh, we hope you'll, you'll continue to be part of our community. It's been great. I've actually gotten a lot of emails telling me that um, I really love your podcast. And I'm like, well, it's not my podcast, but oh. thank you for listening. <laughs> well, that's so nice. Well, you're, you've been very gracious about spreading the word and letting people know about Money with Friends, which is actually a very apropos thing because that's what we're going to be talking about. Let's see which one of our friends is going to lead us into the headline. This is Andy from Derby, Vermont. It's time for today's headlines, only at Money with Friends. All right, you start. We didn't actually plan who's going to read how much, so you started off and uh, tell me when I should jump in. Okay. And this is from USA Today by Josh Peter. Okay. So the article is from Josh Peter by, um, from USA Today. We're all struggling. In a culture shift, Americans are more open about their personal financial struggles. With her family still waiting on an economic impact payment of $3,900, Stephanie Dan of Millsboro, Delaware, decided it was time to share about more than her latest failed attempt to reach the Internal Revenue Service. So she created the, quote, Still No Stimulus Check Facebook page on April 29th. I'm a stay-at-home mom of four kiddos, Dan, 28, wrote Wednesday in a post to the more than 1,000 members. She added that her husband is a kitchen manager at Chick-fil-A, and his hours have been cut during the coronavirus pan pandemic. We're behind on our rent, car payments, and electric bill. We've applied for assistance, but we're afraid we might not meet the requirements. Motivated by delays in receiving their stimulus checks, people like Dan have created online groups that have attracted tens of thousands of members, and they're doing more than just venting at the IRS. They're also connecting in a personal way. And like Dan, dis disclosing the details of their lives that might have been considered too sensitive to discuss publicly before the pandemic. We were depending on this check to get caught up with our bills, Dan told USA Today, whose family is expecting a two-person federal stimulus check bolstered by the $500 per child bonus. Dan, who said she worked one day a week at Chick-fil-A and handled mobile orders, said this is the first time she has created a private group on Facebook and that she did it to bring people together. Comments at, quote, still no stimulus check reflect a potential shift towards more openness about personal financial matters. 
Kimberly Dyer, who lives in Nashville and starts her day by checking the Facebook group. Um, Dyer, along with uh, Dan, serves as co-administrator of the private group. She says, we're hurting. Uh, she's 30. It just doesn't make sense. The mother of one said these $1,700 stimulus funds she is waiting on are critical because she is a foster care coordinator who has taken a 50% pay cut during the pandemic. Recently, Dyer said she found herself sharing with members of the Facebook group that she had fallen behind on her rent payments. Quote, this is not something I would ever tell anyone, she said, quote, but it's like we're all in the same situation. We are all struggling. Anecdotal evidence suggests more people are seeking financial advice and talking about their plight more openly during the pandemic, said Jeffrey Brown, CEO of the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. Brown said financial advisors and financial planners are talking about the current situation, quote, as an excellent example of the intersection of money and psychology, meaning that in the past we've had economic crises where people have felt it in their pocketbook, and there was a psychological component to that. But now you're dealing with a health crisis and an economic crisis. And I think it's just really causing people to be a little bit more open, a little bit more forthcoming on how it's affecting their lives in total. If this happened 20 years ago, looking at it holistically, we wouldn't have had access to communication mediums that we do now. So you couldn't just jump on Facebook when you're disclosing this sort of information. So let's just pause there for a moment. Give me your thoughts. So, you know, shame around money is ubiquitous. And it's something I've been writing about for a couple decades now, <clears throat> although I feel young. Um, but we, we walk around being, being very shameful about money. It's like a huge taboo in our culture. It's actually one of the biggest taboos in our culture. Um, people will be more willing and they'll tell you they're much more comfortable talking to their children about the birds and the bees than about money. Now, now I have young children and trust me, I do not want to talk to my kids about, about sex. Um, so it's, we've, we've all had a lot of shame around this. You know, we're embarrassed. We don't have enough. We're embarrassed. We have too much. Uh, the average American even coming into this crisis wasn't in great financial shape. We're, we're all typically doing something we know we shouldn't be doing around money. So there's all the tremendous amount of shame. So I got to tell you, I'm really excited about this because you know, uh, money is the biggest source of stress in the lives of Americans. Like before this crisis, it was about 80% of Americans. And that's been true for um, 10 years or more. And so I'm super excited about the idea that we're going to feel less shame around this, less guilt. Um, there's many reasons why I think we should feel less shame and guilt. And just, just for one example, the whole world has changed around money. Like the rules have absolutely changed. So my grandfather didn't have to worry about a 401k or or saving for the future because Social Security was going to take care of it and his pension from GM was going to take care of it. And that's actually how he exited this world, not really having to worry about it because he was getting his Social Security and he was getting his pension. And those were the rules. There weren't you didn't have to worry about your personal finances. And when he was young, you couldn't get into credit card debt. In fact, you couldn't even get credit. And so the world has changed and we really haven't been educating our kids around the tools they need. And so if, um, if you're an American and you feel like you've really made some financial mistakes, I would say, of course you have. You were not educated and all the rules got changed on you. Um, as another example, pensions used to be the company was in charge of taking care of it and holding that responsibility. And all of a sudden it got shifted into these 401ks and people have 401ks. They don't even know what they are. We haven't really been educated on these things. And now all of a sudden your ability to retire is 100% on you. And all this happened very quietly, very subtly. There was no announcement, but the entire um, culture has shifted. And so anyway, this is this is what I'm trying to do, Bobby, here is is tell you that you should not be ashamed about this. Like shame is it's an emotional glue trap. 
It keeps you stuck. It's not helpful at all. It actually makes your financial life worse because then you're like, well, I just must be bad at money. Like that's a terrible belief. Don't have that thought. Um, so I'm actually really excited about uh, it. Unfortunately, it's taken a crisis, but I'm excited about the fact that many of us are feeling more and more comfortable talking about the reality of our financial stress. I think how, it's a good thing. And how much of this do you think is because we now have technology to communicate? <clears throat> and even though something like Facebook is not anonymous, there is something about being able to join a group and kind of linger, see the comments, and maybe then chime in once you kind of feel like the door is open and other people can relate. Okay, so there's we, we throw a lot of uh, um, nastiness towards social media because what it does is it sort of lowers your filter, right? And so we'll see all sorts of terrible things happening on social media. Well, this is one of the benefits of lowering your filter is where you might feel like you can share some things with a, quote, anonymous group. And I don't know about you, Bobby, but I, well, I would say you and I are, are friends and we've never met in person. Nope. Um, and I I've have a lot of friends now that I've never met in person that I actually know quite well. And then we've gotten offline and texting and talking on the phone and that kind of thing. Um, and it's sort of bizarre from, from a Gen X person to, to re sit back and really realize I have a lot of intimate, close relationships with people I care very much about that I've actually never met in person. Um, and so there's huge opportunities for us to expand our social network and our, our sense of connection and our sense that we're, we're loving others and they're loving us um, through social media. And as we talked about on Tuesday's show, when we talked about the unemployment situation, this is a situation where everyone's in it. I mean, it's not an economy of one. We are all feeling it. And so there is that communal response. We're also here on Facebook as we record this. Um, we recorded facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins on the Stacking Benjamins page. And we have a great audience with us. They have a lot of questions for you. Um, let's start with Shabal. Um, and she says there, you can grab it. Yeah. So Dr. Brad, do you so. think social media in particular, the likes of Facebook and Instagram are creating a false reality for people? Um, and so absolutely, they totally are. Um, and, you know, I, I love Instagram, but it, it seems to be um, one of the worst perpetrators of, of essentially the problem is this that people are posting their absolute best pictures where them and their child are, are cuddling and laughing and they're deleting the 300 before that where there was screaming and yelling going on um, because that's what happens when you have kids. Sometimes they scream and yell and they're upset and they throw tantrums. And so we're only putting the absolute best forward. Um, and we know this on a cognitive level, but on an emotional level, it's real easy to sit back and think that, oh, everyone's life is so much better than mine. And all the studies in psychology show that our happiness is not related to actually what's actually happening in our lives. It's what how we think our life is compared to how we think other people's lives are. And so that's where the social media, I think, has taken a real hit on our emotional health. Also, you get for kids, too. It's so interesting, but you get real time evidence that your friends are getting together without you, like less so now during the pandemic. But this was a big thing I saw with high school kids where all of a sudden, ding, oh, Joe and Tom are out, you know, they're out together at the beach and they didn't ask me to go. And so now I'm depressed and suicidal. And this is this is something that I see happen with teenagers, um, you know. 30 years ago, you wouldn't even know that they went to the beach, but now you know. Um, so there is a downside to the social media. All right. We have Adrian here with us on Facebook. So Adrian says, what if your friends don't want to discuss money and, and previous tries have failed? How do you begin with people who just don't want to talk about it? Uh, so a couple things. So one way I would do it is I would ask permission. You know, I would sort of be like, look, you know, a lot of people don't really want to talk about money and um, I'd like to talk about it. So if it's something that you're comfortable with, um, maybe we could have that chat or if not, that's fine too. And then you can screen out somebody because there's nothing worse than talking to somebody about the 
things that matter most to you and then they blow you off or change the subject. That's not a very good feeling. And so by asking for permission, and by the way, your friend might be so worried and shameful about money, they just don't even want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. So it might have nothing to do with you. It, it's quite often related to their own internal pain that they don't want to tell you about. Um, so asking for permission is just such a powerful thing because if the person then says yes, now they've, they've totally bought onto this conversation and it's going to go much, much better. And we have Sarah here with us on Facebook and she just has a comment. Go ahead. Whenever I have a problem that's dominating my thoughts, getting vulnerable and asking friends for their input always gives me a better perspective. I feel better too. Absolutely, Sarah. There's tons of studies on this too where um, putting voice to it, talking about it, even, even if it's journaling too, um, it, it really is a healing thing. There's something about putting these thoughts into words and what's so interesting about it is hearing yourself say it is actually a huge part of the emotional benefit because you're hearing yourself saying and you're automatically adjusting the way you're looking at it. It's so incredibly powerful to do that. And also when you're with somebody else, it's, it's, it just happens to be a healing thing. Are there barriers though that we should still keep up? I mean, how much should we be sharing, especially in a Facebook group, which you, you know, you have the feeling that it's sort of private, but you really don't know and you don't have any guarantees in many, I would think. Yes, I would just assume anything that I put on a Facebook group or anything that I did in a DM, for example, on Instagram with somebody who isn't your best friend. Um, and well, and how many best friends have you do you know have you had throughout your life who actually like disclosed a secret to somebody else? You know, chances are a lot of them, right? And so I would just be really conscientious of if you're going to put something in writing, especially, um, just you got to have the mindset that everyone in the world's going to see this. It's going to get back to whoever you're worried about seeing it. So that that's my attitude towards. Facebook and that kind of thing. And, but however, that doesn't mean that you don't need to disclose. Maybe it's, it's like, it's okay to let the world perhaps know that you're a human being. I don't know. Is that okay? Yeah, no. And I think that, I think that's a good way to balance things. Um, so what is your advice then generally for people in terms of how to even find, you know, where do you begin with this and, and how should you approach a group? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's some search features that will allow you to find groups. Um, and, and the connection is usually around a shared interest. Um, I think it's fabulous that there's a shared interest around, oh no, I'm, where's my stimulus check? Because it, right. it's really resonating with a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. So you already have a group of people who've sort of bought in on this concept. Um, and so I'm a member of a lot of groups myself and it's all around shared interests. Um, and then of course, good groups are moderated by people who make sure that there aren't trolls and people being mean and all of that. So you also want to make sure you're in a group that is being moderated so that that type of behavior gets expelled. And maybe you want to be in a group that isn't too close to home. It may not want to be the parents of the kids in your school for your financial disclosures. Maybe that's a group that's maybe, as you said, bonded by a similar financial situation. Like we're in this industry and we all are waiting for, or we're all trying to figure out how to properly spend our payroll protection program checks or something like that, rather than people that it's not, that's not your bond together finances. <laughs> Bobby, when you said Does like maybe, yes, no, but when you said sort of like maybe a little bit more anonymous might be great. Yeah. I mean, I, my wife's on this neighborhood app thing and, and just like, it's unbelievable. It's like people's gossip is now like on a page there. And it's like, can you believe these people did this or these people did that? So th definitely, I think sometimes the closer to home that is, the more like emotionally bad it can be for you. So just yeah. being conscious of that. Yeah. So maybe, a, a, like I said, a, a different group that's not tied to other things in your life could be... Yeah 
better to keep a little distance and then keep it really about the topic, not about, you know, uh, um, to keep away the gossip aspect of it um, and maybe get more um, help from people that aren't necessarily stakeholders in your life in the same way that a close friend might be. And a friend-to-friend conversation can happen over a one-to-one connection over a phone call or a one-to-one Zoom call or something. Um, We're going to Hold that thought for a moment. We're going to get to takeaways in a moment. Um, But first, I do want to thank um, Tiller because Money with Friends is brought to you by Tiller. Tiller helps you manage your money 10 times faster in a spreadsheet. It is the only service that connects your banks to Google Sheets and Excel with your daily spending, transactions, and balances. And unlike financial apps that force you to compromise, spreadsheets on Tiller are fully customizable for your needs. And it makes it even better because you've got that daily feed of your spending, your balances, your transaction, and you don't have to manually enter it. This is a great time when you're home to get it together and really be organized with your finances, even though uh, many of us are taking advantage of longer tax deadlines um, to get our taxes in for the year 2019, you still are going to have to do it. So it's really important to be organized. You can learn more about Tiller at tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. You get a free trial and you get 20% off your first year. And most importantly, I hope to all of you, you support Money with Friends, right? All right, Dr. Brad, what is your takeaway from this? So, you know, the title is Sharing Your Financial Struggles Can Be Daunting. And I agree, it can be daunting. This is the biggest source of stress we have, um, even pre-pandemic. And we have a lot of built-in shame around it. It's a big taboo. And there's some healing just in talking about it, just for those those factors alone. And there's one person in your life, excuse me, who might be in a great place for you to talk to. And it might be your partner or spouse, okay? And this is a missed opportunity. And in the midst of this crisis, it is an opportunity where you can both get on the same page. There's this threat you're facing together. Um, Very often in a relationship, we like to feel like the threat is the other person. So now there's this external threat. And it's a great way to sort of visualize this threat being away from you. And you guys are sitting on the same side of the table and you're gonna face this threat and you're gonna face it together. So. My, my takeaway is also take the opportunity to have a discussion with your, with your partner or spouse. Talk about your goals. Talk about a survival plan. Like, what's the worst case scenario here? Actually, my wife and I just had the worst case scenario conversation this weekend. It started out quite unpleasant. And then we were on the same page on the other end. And I got to tell you, like, okay, so let's say, for example, I've got multiple sources of income. And so one of them is I'm a professor. So let's say that I get fired. And by the way, Professors are getting fired all over the country right now. So if that happened, it would result in this much loss of income. And what would we do? Would we need to downsize? Would we need to perhaps move? I mean, so we we just laid it all out. And it helps to the absolute worst case scenario. Because if you do the absolute worst case scenario, then you'll be prepared for it. And what I realized is the absolute worst case scenario for both of us, it actually wasn't that bad. And we realized we could live with it. We realized we could bounce back. It would be temporary. So make sure to have that conversation. That is such good advice and something we all are together and certainly can do. And it reminds me also, it brings up the point that if there are other financial stakeholders in your household, make sure that you are not doing something that they're going to be uncomfortable with if you are sharing personal information in these groups. Because as you mentioned so well, you write something online, it's kind of there, and it's not all that anonymous in many cases. So just be aware of that and and tread carefully in that sense. But I do think friends, you can definitely lean on friends. And this show is called Money with Friends for a reason. We clearly think it is healthy to have these discussions. Be mindful, though, of sharing um, with people things that maybe you should keep 
private. So share selectively and strategically the things that you think opinions and guidance from other people can really be a resource for. Um, first of all, I want to thank our audience here on Facebook. We have Luik, we have Brighton, we have Adrian, Shabal, Sarah, Kimberly. Thank you all for joining us. If anyone wants to join us in the future, they can join us at facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins. You can find out when we are recording by going to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com and go to the calendar. You can also stay close to our Instagram and Twitter. The handle there is at moneyfriendspod, where you can also participate in our polls and surveys and get a shout out on the show. But most of all, I want to thank Dr. Brad Klons for being part of our cast this spring. We certainly have gone um, financially and through this health crisis, places we never certainly imagined, but you have been a wonderful source of guidance and wisdom for so many people. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bobby. It was a lot of fun. And I'm actually sad that I won't be on anymore. It's really been a, a pleasure. You Thank won't you. be on as a regular, but you will be on in the future. You'll forever be part of our community. What is your takeaway from your experience as a co-host here on Money with Friends? Yeah, well, I, I sort of feel like I finally got the flow, Bobby. I finally <laughs> know what I'm doing. Um, so <clears throat> been, it's been great. And actually, it's so ironic that we've been, we're talking about this now. But I got to tell you, just even as a guest, I, I think it's helped my overall level of anxiety around what's happening just by talking about these things with a friend and talking about it in a thoughtful way and, and strategizing about how do we all handle this information? How do we make sense of it? So it's been a, it's been an honor to be a resource to other people. But on a personal level, I've, I've benefited just from having these conversations. Well, we have all benefited as well. And we're getting thank yous from our Facebook Live audience. So we appreciate you being here and we look forward to you staying as part of our community. And thanks everyone for listening. Joe will be back with a new Money with Friends tomorrow. Bye everyone. This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends. <laughs>